Sunnah alhamdulillah wa salatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa mawala wa la hawna wa la quwwata illa billah Allahumma alimna min ilmika ma tarda bihi anna wa la tuakhidna bima ta'limuhu minna ya halimu khaliqna bi khuliqil hilmu haqiqna bi haqaiqil ilm subhanaka la ilmalana illa ma'alamtana innaka antal alimun hakim rabbi shrahli sadri wa yassili amri wa ahlul uqdham nisani fa qawli sallallahu alayhi wa sallam muhammad wa alayhi sahbihi sallam for having me. I had an amazing time when we came in Ramadan. But for the sake of time, I'm going to jump right into it. This talk I, usually, I gave before in like three and a half hours. So we're going to condense it to like an hour. And that means I'm not going to hold any punches. And I'm going to go straight to the point. So the topic, inshallah, is preparedness for marriage. And having married readiness according to Islam. If we're thinking about marriage according to Islam... The first thing we need to think about, particularly in our modern context, is gender. In Islam, we believe there are two genders. I understand everyone here knows, but like, we just need to reiterate that. There, we believe in a gender binary. There are males and females. Yes, throughout history, there have been people that fall outside of that uh, spectrum. But the reality is, you don't, give, uh, you don't may understand things based off anomalies. You don't understand things when they're off the rule. We believe in a gender binary. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Ya nas inna khalaqnaakum min dhakr wa untha wa ja'anakum shu'ban wa qaba'il ta'arafu. He says, oh mankind, not just speaking to the Muslims, all of mankind, inna khalaqnaakum min dhakr wa untha. We have created you from a male and a female. Wa ja'anakum shu'ban wa qaba'il ta'arafu. And we've made you men, uh, shu'ub, tribes, uh, shu'ub people, nations, and qaba'il, tribes, so that you get to know one another. So we have to understand that this is divinely inspired. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who has created this gender binary, and there's a hikmah in this gender binary. Now we're not talking about gender expression. We're not, I'm not gonna go in that tangent too deep. We're not talking about how someone manifests what it means to be masculine or feminine. That's a whole different conversation, but we understand there's a, there's a binary in how we understand these. In there also being a binary, we understand that there are roles. When we're thinking about the position that men and women play in society at large, there are different roles that we each play. That doesn't mean that every single relationship or every single man is gonna play the same role in every single situation. Not every CEO is the same, even if they're CEOs of the same company. Each one has a branch. There's a McDonald's here and a McDonald's there. They both have different managers of those things. They're all going to function different based on their customers, based on their disposition as human beings, based on a bunch of different things. But the reality is that he has a role and a responsibility that he or she has to live up to. Now, the responsibility of men, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Men are the maintainers and protectors of women. The word qawama comes from the word qama, comes from stand. Also from that, you can also have qiyam, the, the values. The role of men in society at large is to uphold values and to be the support, the, the, I'm writing something about this so my mind is like jumping all around, but al-muhim, for the sake of time, we have to understand that this is the role. Now, as my teachers have taught me, respect is commanded, not demanded. It's given, not taken. Why am I saying that? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you a responsibility, with that responsibility comes a, a, a serious accountability for it. 
And the way that, you, that we are able to have this qawama is by leading with both love and service. Another way we can think about qawama is service. That as leaders, we have to be people of service. And so this is a, soci a societal phenomenon. It's not just restricted to a relationship. This is a societal phenomenon. The role of women, and both men and women have to have both love and service, but it's to be the more nurturing, the more caring. That doesn't mean that women can't be leaders. That doesn't mean that they can't have um, strengths. Wallahi, I've talked to multiple families where the wife actually, it, because of the nature of the two individuals, runs the family. She ma makes more money. She's more mature, etc. But even with that, she, how she navigates that situation, that's just the reality she has. How she navigates that has to be with hikmah. Why? Because naturally, as men, we have an ego, and we don't want to be undermined with those things. Fa, we start off with gender. Khalas, we said that. When we think about marriage, we have to think about the philosophy behind marriage. Why do we even have marriage? What's the point of marriage? Why are we trying to get married? Why are we thinking about it? Now, of course, there's a biological aspect of things. I'd be lying if I told you there wasn't. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ أَنْ خَلَقَ لَكُمْ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ أَزْوَاجًا لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا That from the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that He's created from amongst yourselves spouses. لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا So that you can find sakina, tranquility, in one another. وَجَعَلَ بَيْنَكُمْ مَوَدَّةً وَرَحْمَةً And we placed in between the both of you, mawadda and rahma, love and mercy. Now, to break down this ayah for the context that we're talking about, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ It's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's signs that we are able to get married and find tranquility with our spouses. And if it's a sign from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have to understand this is from His rizq. It's from His sustenance. And because it's a rizq, it's not something that we are entitled to. We are not entitled to either marriage or happiness in the marriage. It's a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that comes with responsibility and accountability for how we do it. But it's also not the point of life. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't bless you to get married, that doesn't mean that you don't have any benefit. That doesn't mean that your life stops. And I'm talking specifically for sisters because that's generally how our society and our cultures like to think if you're not married by such and such time, you have no value in society. That's not the case. We do have value. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, just like He gave some people a lot of money, He gave them a lot of risk, He gave them a lot of children, some people is the exact opposite. He's given them very little money. He's given them no children. They can't have those things. Does that mean that one person is of more value or the other? No. That just means the test of each one is different. The one who has more money has to give more sadaqah. The one who has more money has to make sure they're paying their zakat. The one that has more money has to make sure they're responsible with how they spend their money. And the opposite applies to the person who doesn't have money. They have to make sure that they're content with their situation. Both have to make sure they're content. But they have to make sure that they are working on themselves. They have to make sure that they are using what they have responsibly, etc., etc. So this is a risk from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not something that we're entitled to. And it's a means for us to grow close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The reason why we get married, first and foremost, should be to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything else is secondary. Even to fulfill your desires is secondary. Why do we need to fulfill our desires? Because of all the desires that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited us from, our 
physical, carnal desires, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it permissible only through one avenue. This is why we have dua that we say before we engage in these different things. It's always to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمِنْ أَن خَلَقَ لَكُمْ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ From the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that He created from amongst yourselves. مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ The reality is, whoever we marry is not going to be perfect. She is going to have deficiencies. She's going to have shortcomings. He is going to have shortcomings. He may not be as tall as we want him to be. He may not have as much money as we want him to be. But, مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ Why are we mentioning this human quality? Because if we expect perfection from them, how or what about ourselves? How can we expect perfection from someone else when we don't have it? How can we look at someone else with unrealistic expectations when we know ourselves we don't live up to that? So we have to recognize not only is it a sign from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rizq, but also this person is going to be human just like us. So how we go into thinking about marriage, how we go about thinking about someone else just as much as we go on thinking about ourselves, we have to know that our expectations have to be practical. They have to be, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later. لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا The point of it, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses us with it, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless all of us with marriages, but also tranquil marriages, is that we find tranquility. وَفِي كُلِّ شَيْءٍ تَدُلُّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّهُ وَاحِدٍ Every single thing is a sign that proves Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one. The Prophet said that he has not left any greater fitna for men than women. But he's also said that marriage is half of your deen. Why are all these ahadith talking about like that? It's not because we can't control ourselves and we're animals. It's not because if I do that, then khalas, I just make my salah and I'm guaranteed jannah. Marriage is half of your deen because it opens you up to a reality you didn't recognize. This is someone who's going to see you in the most intimate, most vulnerable states. When you're sick, when you're broke, when you're rich, when your breath smells bad, when you didn't take a shower. This is the reality. And there's no hiding from someone who sees you day in, day out, every single day. They see you when you're at your weakest. How do you respond to them when they hit you with a low blow? How do you respond to them when they're not at their best? So it being half your deen is not because you get like, mashallah, check, you're done. It's because it opens up to so much. But the point in it is that we get to know ourselves. That through this intimate relationship, I learn about me a little bit more. And from me learning about me a little bit more, inshallah, I grow. In my closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and who I am. Man arafa nafsahu, arafa rabbahu. Whoever knows themselves knows their God. And whoever knows Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, their Lord, knows themselves. So by me understanding who I am, my deficiencies, my weaknesses, my strengths, all of those things, then at the same time I get to know how I need to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we think of tranquility, we have to understand that tranquility is of multiple different factors. You have emotional tranquility, intimate tranquility, social tranquility. Emotionally, particularly for the guys, there's a reality that we also need affection. Unfortunately, whether it be societally or due to our own stupidity, call it whatever you want, we think that our means of affection is only through sex. That's not true. We also need to feel that someone has our back, loyalty. We also need to feel that we need a hug sometimes. We also need to feel that it's okay to be vulnerable. We also need to feel that when we're growing and someone sees that our weakness, they're going to help us get forward. They're going to push us forward and not pull us down, etc., etc. That's just for men. We know that women are, mashallah, much more in, in touch with their emotional side than us. 
But for them, it's the same thing. They need someone who's going to be able to listen to them when they're in their emotional states. Me and my wife, we have a, a, a situation where, not a situation, that's a bad word. That's a loaded word nowadays. Um, there's no entanglements, alhamdulillah. <laughs> we have a, we have a um, when she's venting to me, I ask her, listen, babe, what do you need from me right now? Are you venting or are you looking for a solution? Because those are two different responses. As a man, I'm naturally geared towards solving problems. On top of the fact I do it for a living. So when she's like, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened. Listen, babe. I can give you answers, and I can listen. Which one are you looking for? That, sometimes she's going to say, I need an answer. Sometimes she's going to say, just listen, and then I need an answer. Sometimes she's going to say, just listen. That's fine. Sometimes I'm going to get it wrong. Because she might say she need one, or I assume the other. I just need you to listen to me right now. That's tranquility. That, to have someone to do that with. To have someone that you can express yourself with, and you can be vulnerable with, and you can say, well, I'm working on this, and I'm working on that. Obviously, intimacy. It's a reality. And that's something that also is not necessarily easy. It's not something that... MashaAllah, all the time, everyone is ready to rock and roll the way that you guys think it is because the movies you watch on your phones, may Allah forgive all of us. It's work, particularly once you have kids. Particularly if you're working, you may be tired. You, may, you need someone that you can be vulnerable with, someone that you can say, listen, I got needs right now. And they're going to say, it's all good, let's go. Gul Amin. Social tranquility. You have someone you feel at ease with. You got someone that's going to have your back. Someone that's looking out for your needs. Someone that you know that like it doesn't matter what else is going out there because I got my spouse. Think about all your homies who get married. All of a sudden, they fall off the map. It's like, inshallah, next month we're going to see him. Gone. Inshallah, next month we'll see him. Gone. Yo, you trying to hang out? Nope. <laughs> because they have now tranquility socially that they can fulfill that need with with someone else. Give them some time. Or go. They're like, bro, I need to hang out with you. That's a whole different discussion. Allah subhanahu ta'ala says, He made, He placed between you two love and mercy. Again, this is a gift from Allah subhanahu ta'ala. The fact that we're able to have love, the fact that we're able to have mercy comes from Allah subhanahu ta'ala. Who الذي جعل he is the one that puts the love and the mercy. Therefore, we can never forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the entire equation. No matter how mad we are, how petty we want to be, how entitled we may feel, we can't forget this whole endeavor from beginning to end, and we'll talk about before marriage in a little bit, is to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the only way that I'll be able to have true tranquility, true peace of mind, true peace of heart is through Allah. And we, that means that we also have to work at it. Relationships, for any of you who have siblings or long-term friends, you'll recognize that relationships have ups and downs, peaks and valleys. It's never like, this is my road dog from beginning to end. We rock, we never argue. No, the reality is you're going to have problems. That's someone that you don't live with. That's a homie. Imagine someone you see every single day. Imagine someone who all the time who's asking for their needs and you're not, you're tired or whatever. Imagine someone who you see them at their weakest and that really annoys you. 
And so it's something that you have to work to achieve. And the reality is that this working to at a marriage is something that never stops. Um, you probably have heard that in a marriage, the first two years are like the honeymoon, right? That's BS. It's the first five. Why? Because we have a different reality than our, our parents and our forefathers. I worked with a brother one time, South African. May Allah bless him. He said, I never farted in front of my wife for 14 years. I was like, what? 14 years. He did not pass gas in front of his wife. Y'all letting it rip the first night. <laughs> the reality is we are in a far different situation than our forefathers. And so it takes more time. There's the mujamalas out the window. That like, oh, this, you know, lovey. Most of the time it takes time. The first five years, that's the honeymoon phase. Two years, you're getting to know a person, just living in a house with someone. Then you start to dislike them, so it takes three years to figure out the, how the in and outs work. Then after five years, from five to seven, generally speaking, you, get, you hit like a stride. Oh, yeah, alhamdulillah, it starts to be easy. I understand you. I know how to weave and bob. You're throwing a job. I say, okay, I know if I do this, it's going to work. Seven years, that's when it's, you hit another hill. That's when it's like, I can't stand this person. Ugh, I'm stuck. And that may last a year or two, maybe three, depending on how you guys navigate that situation, how mature you are. Ten years, that's when it starts to be like, khalas, you know. You start to hit a cruise control, inshallah. It's work. And I can only speak up to ten because I, I don't have anything. I'm sure after that, because I counsel people who married 20, 25, 30 years, they got problems too. But it's something we have to work on. It's not something we're entitled to, and it's something that is to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If we're thinking about this, we understand the philosophy is to please Allah. That's why we get married. And it is a sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from his rizq. And that our partners, are, our spouses are also going to be human. And we also, we're trying to seek tranquility and love and mercy. Now let's talk about what we need to do when we want to get married. You understand the philosophy to please Allah. Short summary of that, please Allah. What do we want to do if we want to get married? What's the first step? Quickly, someone throw up a hand. What's the first step to when you want to get married? Anyone, jump out there. They can't see you. Uh, uncle in the back. I'm sorry? The Sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad Yes, absolutely. Make dua. Wonderful. These are definitely very good things. What's a practical step? The first thing we should do when we want to get married? Ask permission. From who? From her parents. MashaAllah. No. <laughs> the first thing we need to do when we want to get married is we have to know who we are. Do I just go up to any sisters like, oh, you look pretty? <laughs> Can I have your father's number? She may be the worst one for us. The first step before we understand or before we approach any sisters, we need to understand who are we. Because that same pretty sister may be the one that's going to be to your demise. And actually the one that you didn't think was as pretty will be the most beautiful one in, the face, in, in your eyes to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The first thing you need is you need to understand yourself. And by understanding yourself, you need to understand what are your non-negotiables. Non-negotiables are things that you're unwilling to compromise on. And those are of three types. One are the things that you cannot have. If it's present, I can't have a conversation. And everyone's going to be different. The sister smokes, bye-bye. The brother drinks, 
The sister doesn't wear hijab. Most of you may say yes. Some of you may say no. You need to understand her story first. It may not be for some people. Again, you need to understand what are your non-negotiables. And no one can define those for you except for you. Then you have your must-haves. So the first things are things you can't have. What are things you absolutely must have? I need a sister who's like this. So for me, before I got married, I had three non-negotiables. And these should generally be very small. One, someone who has traditional gender roles. Due to my trauma and my upbringing, I said, I need you to be a wife and a mother before everything. Said this off the rip. Do you understand what I'm saying? I explained it. Khalas, this is what we're talking about. This was for me. Someone else might want to do something different. This is what I needed. The second thing was someone who puts Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his Prophet before everything. This is the beginning and the end of our relationship. So when problems come, this is what we need to go back to. Third, you got to have a sense of humor. I'm a goofball. I can't have someone who doesn't have a sense of humor. If you can't throw some jokes and you can't get in the ring with me a little bit, then this, it's not worth it. These are my three. Everything else we can talk about. Everything else we can talk about. So you have to first and foremost, before you start anything, is have knowledge of self. What are your non-negotiables? Now we talked about your must-haves and you cannot-haves. There's a middle phase. There are certain things that, you know, I'm not too comfortable with it. But it, if it's present, I may not cut it off. I may want to consider a little bit. I may have to, like, it's a flag. I'm just going to park it right there for a little bit. So, for example, for some brothers, sister doesn't wear hijab. Absolute no. Assalamu alaikum. Can't have a conversation. For some brothers, like, okay, red flag, but let me see what the background story is. Some trauma. Okay, family. Okay, maybe we can consider. Are you willing to put it? That's a whole different discussion. But after non-negotiables, you also need to know about yourself. Do you have the financial capacity to get married? What's your situation looking like? If you don't have a job and you don't have a way to get a job, why are you talking about getting married? You need to start fasting. Get yourself together. And I don't mean you need to have bank. You don't have to be baller. You need to be able to take care of yourself. If you can take care of yourself, then inshallah you can take care of someone else. Food for one is food for two. Y'all can get an efficiency together. Expectations of the family, expectations of the sister, that's a whole different conversation. But the practical reality is, if you can take care of yourself, you have an ability to financially take care of yourself, then that's sufficient. The third thing you need to do, again, before we even talk to any sisters or brothers, I can't see them, I keep forgetting they're upstairs, is you need to understand what are your family's expectations. If your family wants someone from the same cultural background as you, why are you wasting time talking to someone else? You're going to go into this battle fighting with them and trying to over, like, I'm sorry, there's many fish in the sea, guys and girls. So if your family's like, listen, hard stop, they got to speak Urdu, they got to speak Arabic, they got to speak Bangla, whatever it is, why are you, like, fighting? Now, if they're like, yo, we would prefer it, it's going to break our hearts, but uh, that's a different conversation. Maybe we can win them over. Again, you need to understand what are the f familial expectations. After you understand these things, what are your non-negotiables? After you understand, um, let me make sure I'm not getting any questions. What are your non-negotiables? You understand if you have financial readiness, your family expectations. There's a concept that I want to talk about called settling. And I'm sorry I'm rushing through this again. This is like a three and a half hour talk. The concept of settling. I don't want to settle. 
is the dumbest stuff I've ever heard in my life. There's no such thing as settling. If you're settling, you're basing your relationship off societal norms. You need someone that's going to help you get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you're not settling. You're marrying someone that's going to help you. She may not look like an Instagram model. He may not look like Idris Alba. All right, and what? You don't want to got to be with him every day. So why are you, oh, I'm settling for this and that? We need to have realistic expectations and base things off our non-negotiables. If we don't have these non-negotiables, we need to go back and figure out what those are. If sister or brother so-and-so fulfills these non-negotiables, then we can have a conversation. Oh, I was looking for, I'm not even going to start naming people. I was looking for this model. I was looking for that. She's, ah, oh. as the famous statement goes, blessed be he who has no expectations, for he will never be disappointed. Expectations are the mother of all, disp uh, of all disappointment. These expectations you put in your head now makes you think that you're settling. How do you know that wasn't what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed you with? How do you know? So the reality is, we need to make sure our priorities are in check. And this goes for brothers and sisters. I remember talking to a brother one time. We were like, bro, when you get married, it's like, inshallah, my wedding is going to be on the beach in the summer. I was like, bro, what? <laughs> the wedding's for her, not you. Like, what you talking about? These expectations are now delaying his ability to get married. Because now he wants a sister who looks a certain way. He has to make sure there's enough money to get on the beach. And he has to make sure, like, why? Why are we making things more difficult? And your happiness, at the end of the day, is all that matters. You don't like my wife. I don't like your... Who, I got to go home. You don't. Come on. Why do I care what you think about my family? That's a whole different discussion. We need to have a different conversation. If you think about my wife and I'm caring what you think about her. I'm fighting words. Um, then practically speaking, let's be real. Even if you are, mashallah, tabarakallah, Idris Alba, or whoever the most handsome dude is nowadays. Even if you are that, who cares? Are you gonna lower the chances, statistically speaking, like we're a minority as American Muslims, and then we're all of other different minorities. So you're like, okay, I'm African-American. We'll use me as an example. I'm uh, African-American Muslim. Okay, I'm looking for someone who, practically speaking, because we know we're at the bottom of the totem pole socially. It's okay, I understand, it's all good. So like, y'all wouldn't marry your sisters and daughters to me. It's okay, it's all right, no problem. Um, okay, so that means I need to marry like an African-American or like whoever's crazy enough to, you know, go outside of societal norms. Okay, I get, mashallah, African-American sister who's, or I'm going to use Ethiopian because my wife's Ethiopian, so <laughs> she's going to listen to this one day. Uh, I find this family that so accepts me, and um, mashallah, she's on Dean, but like she's not what I thought she was going to look like. Why am I letting, like, now I'm lowering the pool even smaller. So we have to be practical about it. Alhamdulillah, we're doing good on time. I'm really flying through this. Alhamdulillah. Right. Now, after you understand yourself, let's talk about approaching someone. What's the point of marriage, we said from the very beginning? To please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That should dictate everything moving forward. The pre-marriage process, the hunt, that's what I like to call it, because I know how it is from everybody. This pre-marriage process is not like speed dating. It's not like Pokemon cards. You like gotta catch them all, you're gonna change them with your friends and stuff. This is not like 
And I'm like just being real with y'all because I know how we, we do. You should approach the situation the same way you would want someone to approach your sister. You should approach this marriage situation, a sister that you're trying to talk to, you're trying to get to know, the same way you'd want someone to approach your sister. Someone came to your sister, came to your aunt, your first cousin, and played games with her and like kicked her to the curb. You'd be ready to fight them. You would be upset. So what about for you when you're now talking to a sister? Put on top of that, the reality is your business is in the streets. You're, you're creating a train, you're leaving a tale of what you're doing. The sisters talk, and I'm talking to the sisters because usually it's them more than, uh, it's more, usually us more than them. They all know. So now you got a record because you didn't talk to this sister, then this sister, and then this sister, and this sister. You played this game, you gaslit her, you moved it on, and you let it drop. And you, Husnovan, I'm going to have Husnovan for you guys, and say that you're not doing it intentionally, inshallah. You're not doing it intentionally. Even if you're not doing it intentionally, it's a manifestation of your immaturity. That's not masculine. That's not manly to do stuff like that. We're supposed to be principled. We're supposed to have qawama. We're supposed to be people who understand what we're doing. You think you want a sister to be attracted to you? Understand what you're doing. Be a man of your word. That's how you should approach the situation. She's asking for a crazy mahar. I just got the phone with her brother. She asked for a crazy mahar. I was like, yo, bounce. Her loss. Next one. We got to be practical. I can't afford a $100,000 mahar. Salaamu alaikum. If she's willing to, another one bites the dust. We're going to keep it moving. If, uh, again, we need to understand our philosophical approach to this is to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we should treat our sisters as if they were our own sisters. You should have ihtiram, respect for your sister before you go into this. The actual process, what's your code of conduct? How do we approach sisters when we're trying to get married? First and foremost, your intention should be made very, very clear off the rip. Your intention should be made very, very clear off the rip. Are you trying to get married? I'm trying to get married. Let's not play games with each other. If you're not, no problem. I'm not the one. Your intention should be very clear off the rip. And you should ideally, the initial like getting to know, the initial handoff per se, to see if the other person's even interested. Ideally, you have an intermediary. Brothers, don't go up to the sister you're trying to get married. Don't do that. That's not even from the Sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad. Look at Sayyidah Khadija. Had it when she approached the Prophet for marriage, what did she do? She used her friend. And her friend didn't just say, Are you interested in Khadija? She said, Why aren't you married? The Prophet says, Oh, blah, blah. And then she said, well, what would you think about someone like this? Oh, uh, it would be a blessing. All right, now we know. You have to use wisdom. So if you are being that intermediary, make sure you use wisdom. But So first, intent should be very, very clear. Ideally, you should use an intermediary. Why? So that you don't hurt anyone's feelings. Or you don't embarrass anyone. We're in community together at the end of the day. If you're going up to sisters embarrassing them, now may, they may not feel comfortable coming back. Or perhaps now their brother's looking at you crazy because you went up to the sister when you pray next to him every single day. You don't have to do that. The third, we have to be as modest as possible. Modesty is a concept, unfortunately, that we have lost in our modern society. It's not just something in dress. It's also in our disposition and how we behave. We have to make sure that the words that we're saying and the, the way that we communicate is 
to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but in a way that is not the opposite of modesty, I would assume, is to be lewd. So it's not of sexual, it's not flirting. We're trying to be as professional and pragmatic about things as possible. Marriage, you have time for that, inshallah. But in the courting phase, you have to be very, very careful because our hearts are fickle. Our hearts, excuse me, are things that change so often. Someone, brother, can say one thing next to you, you know the sister's attached to you. The sister could say one thing next to you, you know you're in love with her. And now you're making stupid decisions based on these things. So what do we also mean by being modest? Not being bold in the things that we're saying. You shouldn't be saying words of like affection. You shouldn't be asking very sensitive questions just for the sake of asking unless it's comfortable. Making sure that uh, the, the two are in a similar place, but also understand there's potential impact for problems in the future. You should Four, you should never be alone. Uh, I believe it was Ibn Mas'ud, I always forget. Um, but he said, I like to put between myself every haram thing and every halal thing, an extra barrier of halal. So is it halwa? Is it being alone, being in a text chain with a sister? The ulama would differ about that all day. But isn't it better for you to have a third person in the text chain? Of course. You're less likely to slip up and say something stupid if someone else is in the text chain. If someone else, if you've got a group now, your sister, your brother, someone who you respect is in the conversation, you're less likely to say, oh, I love you, little it's late at night and you're tired. We know y'all doing it on purpose. Five, you should start from your non-negotiables. Off the rip. Off the rip. Before I married my wife, Allah bless her for marrying me. Off the rip, her friends came to me, messaged me. There's a sister who wants to get married. Where is she from? She's Ethiopian. I ain't waste my time. They were like, why? I said, Ethiopians don't marry black guys. It's okay, I'm not mad. But I don't want to waste my time. Then one of my friends came to me. There's an Ethiopian sister, she really... Is this that same sister? Yep, the same one. All right, fine. I said, tell her, I am broke as a bag of glass. I have no money. She's okay with that. Tell her, I'm divorced with a kid. She's going to be a stepmom off the rip. She's okay with that. Tell her, I live in Saudi Arabia. She's going to be away from her family and all her friends for nine months out of the year. She's okay with that. So let me see a picture, because I ain't no charity case. <laughs> I said, oh, mashallah, okay, we can, we can work with this. All right, alhamdulillah. So where's her wali? Oh, she's a convert. She doesn't have a wali. Go find one then. Come back to me when there's a wali involved. I played these games too many times. You talk to the sister for a week, two weeks, a month. Oh, no, I don't want I ain't got time for it. I've been there. We're getting to know each other, right? That's the, that's what, we just get to know each other, right? Our tinges are clear. We just get to know each other. And then you're like, yo, can I meet your family? Oh, see, what happened was, where's the welly? Off the rip. She doesn't have one? Go find one. Come back with the welly. Khalas. So you start with your non-negotiables. Lastly, be honest. Be honest. I'm not saying uh, disclose faults. But if you're asked about these things, particularly if they're things of importance, don't hide them. Be honest. Don't. You're talking about, if, okay, if you were going to invest your last $1,000. Or let's say you guys, you have $10,000 set aside to get married, inshallah. That's your mahar. You guys, I hope you guys got your money to get the situation together. And someone says, listen, 
I'm going to say, if you give me your, that money you have saved for your mahr, you give it to me, and we're going to go into business together. And I promise you in a year, you're going to make bank. How would, what would you do? Would you say, oh man, mashallah, here you go. Or would you ask questions? Yo, 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 let me see the P&L, the profit and loss of your business. What's the future? What's the potential for growth? What, what, how does it look? Uh, can we expand this? Are, are there competitors? You would ask very intentional questions, then you would want to see delil. You want to see proof for all that. Let me see the last year's um, 1099. Let me see last year's profit and loss sheet. Let me see is there potential for I'm gonna Okay, let me do a check. So let me see my accountant talk to If you're going to get into business with someone, you want to know those things because this is your important money right here. What about someone who we said from the beginning, you're trying to invest the rest of your life with for what? To please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you hope that they would be honest and you should be honest as well. The worst thing that can happen, you go about your separate ways. And if you were modest, use the intermediary, your intentions were clear from the beginning, you were never alone, if you go your separate ways, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. There's no problem. Because there's nothing happens. Trying to de-identify this as much as possible. Who knows who's going to listen to these things. I know someone who's married to a sister I talked to before I got married. There's no beef. You trying to get married? Yes. This is my situation. You, tr you about it? No. My salama. Cool. He married her later? Alhamdulillah. Allah mubarak. Alhamdulillah. And there's no problem. Our families hang out. It's cool. Again, if you, if you conduct yourself in an honorable way, you don't have these problems later on. Lastly, um, the concept of using websites. I'm not a fan, to be honest, because they become very materialistic. It becomes very superficial on face value, uh, and they can cause anxiety. But if you're going to use them, understand that the, the ends don't justify the means. Meaning, just because I could end up being married doesn't mean I should go crazy on these websites beforehand. No, I should be the same principles that I would use in any other situation. Just like I would in the streets, I should make sure I'm doing the same thing online. And of course, of course, of course, again, as we said from the very beginning, understand that all of this is from the risk of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I have found in my own personal life and the people that I've been counseling for almost a year now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provides for us when we're ready, but not just when we're ready, when it's good for us, but not just when it's good for us, when we relinquish everything over to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When finally we're like, listen, Allah khalas. I tried, I'm going to keep trying, but you're the one who's going to determine this. Right when we get to that point, that's when Allah brings someone. And so, I, again, I'm sorry for rushing through this. I wanted to save time for us to, inshallah, have some conversation uh, and Q&A, bi'idhnillah. Um, and so, Jameel. So yes. Questions, comments, uh, Imam, Imam Muhammad said we're going to do text only through the, the link that was shared in the WhatsApp groups. I don't know if he shared that. Um, brothers, we'll start with you until some, some questions come through. Y'all ain't got no questions about marriage. Yeah. Does the mahar need to be paid all at once? It's based on how you guys understand the agreement that you come to. Uh, some cultures have mu'akhar, muqaddam, so the pre, like the, the mahar that you give, then the one is essentially a safeguard in case of divorce. Some say, uh, you know, you guys can have an agreement that you're going to pay this amount, but you're going to go pay the rest in the future. My suggestion, and this is like a hot take, don't pay a mahar that could be a down payment. 
That's a bad investment. You guys are setting yourselves up for your future. Now, if there's family that's imposing these things, it's a different thing. But why would you spend this large sum of money when you guys be buying a house together? I understand it's cultural, and I can say this is a black guy, so <laughs> don't be mad at me. But the reality is, you and your future wife should be thinking long term. You didn't spend $30,000 on the mahar, you spent 10, 15, 20, $30,000 on the walima, and that's $60,000. That could have been a condo. Down payment plus. So if you guys are thinking smart, okay, let's, this is your mahar, but can we use it for this? And that's a better uh, way of thinking. Is dating a part of the Islamic marriage process? You have to define dating. There's nothing wrong with going to the restaurants to grab lunch together. The problem is going to the restaurants to grab lunch together alone. So when my sister was trying to get married, we went to a restaurant. I went with the brother. I sat right there or at another table, and khalas, they got to know each other. There's nothing wrong with that. When we're talking about the actual premarital concept, the ideally, ideally, depending on the family, because some families are different, the families understand what's going on. They're involved from the beginning. You may not meet them, but they, your family as a guy knows, listen, I'm trying to get married, so I'm talking to his sister to get to know her. This is who she is. Just there's a basic approval. Ideally for the sister, same thing's happening. Again, as many barriers you put between yourself and haram, the better. Now, some families are, um, mashallah, a bit passionate about the situation. So if you tell them, then automatically they don't want to get you married in three months. You may have to be more thoughtful about that. Um, but if that's not the case, you want to get your family involved. Then, if you're talking about meeting, then you should be ideally do it in a place that is public. It should be in a public place. Not just a public place, a public place where there's accountability. Because the reality is you can go to Red Lobster, you can go to any restaurant, and no one knows you there, so you guys be making out in the booth and no one's going to say nothing. But you can say, we're not private. You can be talking about anything. So ideally, it would be at a place where there's a layer of accountability. Adam Center has qahwa, for example. That's accountability. It's in the masjid. You go to some, I don't know, you figure it out. You got to be thoughtful. You have a third person there. Ideally, it's her mahram. Um, if her mahram is there, then it's even better. But yeah. So again, dating, being out with someone, that's a part of getting to know one. You should not be alone with the person. Um, and it should ideally be in a place that's not only public, but there's a level of accountability as well. Wallahu alam. Are there any from the sisters yet? Okay. Yeah. So, what advice would you give to two individuals uh, who want to get, who are ready to get married, but the parents want them to wait until college after college? What do you? What's the advice about two people want to get married, but the parents want them to wait till after college? Wait till after college. Stop talking to each other. Or put very serious boundaries in between. Listen, our parents come from a different time, right? They came. Most of you here, you're most likely second generation. Your parents came and you were born here. They sacrificed everything so you could be in the situation you're in now. Likely, you're not going to be able to convince them otherwise. If you can, alhamdulillah, Allah bless you. Alhamdulillah. Thank Allah. The reality is, most of you, I'm going to say 75% of you in this room, your parents are going to say, finish college. So stop talking, put a pin on it, because if you keep talking, it's just going to get worse. You're going to be in love, and it's like, I can't, I got you're stupid now. No. You put a pin in it and say, inshallah, we'll come back in two years. What's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to have a degree and be in a better situation. 
Because at the worldview that our parents are coming from is that this is how you set yourself up for success. Now, I'm not saying just because they say that you give up. Go find an auntie and uncle, have the auntie and uncle talk to them, have, come to them with a proper plan. Don't just say, can I get married? Say, no, I want to get married. I want to do this. I'm going to provide for my wife, blah, 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 blah. Be thoughtful about it so that you have a higher chance of success. But at the end of the day, likely you're not going to convince them, so stop wasting your time. And uh, I had a sister ask me this a few weeks ago. Um, she was like, why would Allah prevent me from doing something so good like getting married to this person? It was a different situation. But we can get into a situation where we start blaming Allah or we're mad at the deen because we have to use the, have to go through our parents. If you weren't talking to this person in the first place, you wouldn't be here. Islam said don't talk to them to begin with. To be ethical in how you go about it, be moral in how you go about it. Don't be mad now that you put yourself in a situation and now you're like, oh, my, you knew what your parents were thinking from the beginning. Even if you're not trying to get married now, as young men, everyone in here is like 18 plus, start having conversations with your family. What are they looking for? When will they allow you to get married? So that when you start looking, you're not just like fumbling. You know, okay, my parents are thinking this way. My mom told me that I came to her when I was 13 and said I wanted to get married. She tells me this, I don't remember. At 16, that's when she was like, what are you looking for? How? We start having serious conversations. Why? She knew what sisters I was going to be interested in. She knew who to bring to our situation. She knew what to tell me about setting myself up. So this was, we had open conversation. And so start having that conversation as soon as possible so that you're not blindsided by, no, I want you to finish college. And your parents aren't blindsided like, oh my God, where'd this come from? Now all of a sudden they want me to marry uh, Fatima or whatever. Another from the brothers, Abdullah. How do you find your wives if you always have to lower your gaze? That's a good question. The reality is you're not always lowering your gaze, so that's how you're going to find her. <laughs> um, but realistically, you're probably not going to find her by like looking at her. Like, while beauty is definitely important, uh, it's only skin deep, as they say. One time, I was young, about 16. My stepdad had an oil store in D.C. where like, he sold like, perfumes and stuff. And this woman came in who was drop-dead gorgeous. Drop-dead gorgeous. Me and my stepdad like, stop, follow, stop, follow, stop, follow. We're like, really struggling here. She opened her mouth, and she was the most ignorant person we'd ever met. All that beauty, whoosh, right out the door. Likewise, imagine you married the most beautiful woman you could ever imagine. She's disobedient to Allah. She doesn't like your parents, or she's being absolutely horrible to your parents. She's not uh, in line with the things that you're trying to do. She's pulling you down every time you get a step. All that beauty means nothing. You want someone's going to help you close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Same thing with sisters. Same thing applies. Fa, uh, ideally, you're going to get married be through other people. And you, specifically, you have a good situation. Your mom's going to hook you up. Don't worry about it. I know his mom. <laughs> uh, sister, we have to bounce back and forth. One more, Is there like advice given by like the Prophet when considering marriage? Like, like the Prophet says, Zawj al wudud al Marry the woman who's loving and childbearing. So I can be boastful about you all in the Yom al Qiyamah. Someone who's affectionate and someone could have kids. Um, 
one of the companions that came to the Prophet Muhammad and he told him he got the Prophet he got married. The Prophet said, Who'd you marry? He said, I married so and so. He said, Why'd you marry her? You're an unmarried man, you married an older woman. He said, Because my mother passed and I have younger sisters, so I, I need that someone who's gonna help take care of my siblings. He said, the Prophet was pleased with him. So you have to understand your circumstance and marry someone based on your needs, but also marry someone who's gonna be affectionate, caring, and loving. Again, everything we've been talking about from Lauren. You have another one from the sisters? And the same thing goes for uh, sisters as well. Marry someone who's empathic and caring and all of it. How would a, how would a girl's interest in someone approach a situation situation in order to keep halal? How does a girl approach a situation to keep the halal? Uh, you throw your wellies number on the ground. That happens in Philly. It's crazy. Uh, <laughs> no, ideally, listen, the reality is in our communities, everyone knows someone. You may not know all the sisters, but you know a sister who knows the other sisters. And the sisters know some sister who knows the brothers. Y'all ain't living, even the time of the companions, the time of the Prophet, they knew who each other were. The ifk of Aisha, the whole reason why we have the ifk of Aisha, the companion knew who Aisha was because he had seen her before. When the Prophet is walking with his wife and he sees the Shabbat, he says, Sophia. He told him, that's my wife, Sophia. So the reality is we know each other. Maybe not very closely, but you know who we, you've talked to each other to a certain extent. So if a sister's interested in a brother, find someone who knows the brother. And then be smart. You say, hey, do you know about so-and-so? What's up with him? How old is he? What is he looking for? Ideally, ideally, you go talk to your imam. That's the best thing. You talk to the imam or the people that you respect, tell them what you're looking for, and they will help you. I will tell the sisters, I'm saying in front of all the brothers, we always talk about the sisters being thirsty. It's not a problem the sisters being thirsty, it's a drought of good men. So all y'all gotta step your game up. It's good sisters in our community, but y'all either ain't got your jobs together, you ain't got no money, you're too stupid and picky with what you're looking for, you're too busy looking at Kelly and Stacy outside, I'm just being real. I got sisters after sisters are telling me, Imam, can you help me get married? I don't know nobody. So one, y'all need to get to know me. <laughs> and two, you need to get yourself together. Yeah. That announcement's coming in a second. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he said, most of us can't get married until after college, so what are some things we can do to uh, develop ourselves, prepare ourselves for marriage? First and foremost, fast. Stop watching movies, stop watching TV, be around the brothers as much as possible to lower your fitna levels. TV and movies are very bad, especially if you're not married brothers. And so, like, limit it as much as possible. Watch a bunch of action movies, but even those you got to be careful with. Look up their internet websites. Like if you're being diligent, if you really want to be serious, don't complain. Brothers, we always complain about like, oh, so much fitting out here, Aki. Like, but you watch TV all day long. And your phone, like, let me look through your history and we'll see who, what you're talking about. Um, let me see your Instagram Explorer page. Um, so, like, don't complain about, oh, it's so hard when you're not actually making steps, right? May Allah forgive all of us. Uh, second of all, develop traits that make, would make you someone worthy of marriage. Can you be principled? When the going gets tough, what do you do? Do you have fortitude? Can you be someone who's uh, honest? When you say something, you're about your word. Can you be someone who is trustworthy? When you, someone tells you something, you can hold it. When you say, I'm going to do it, you do it when you're going to. These are things, can you have, be serious about life? Can you have a plan in what you're going to do and how you're going to do it? That doesn't mean that you'll necessarily accomplish those things, but you know what you're working toward. Um, 
Can you get to know yourself? Like, go to therapy. You got some issues, I'm sure. Like, we all talk to the imam, talk to someone to figure out, well, what are the things I need to work on? Who am I? Uh, so that you can get to know. Find out what your non-negotiables are. How do you get to know your non-negotiables? From the people you know in your family, look at them. Uh, that quality, I probably wouldn't want that. I like that about them, so I probably want that too. And start to discern what you want for yourself. So when the time comes, you already know. Listen, I ain't playing no games, man. I want this type of sister. That's what I'm looking for. Bismillah. So if you can't, work on yourself. Also, if, mashallah, if you have time, learn your fardain. Learn what you need to know to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Learn your deen. Get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Get up in the last third of the night. And I'm not telling you as someone who does it, I'm telling you as someone we all need to be getting up together. Pray, fast, be righteous. If we said that all of marriage is risk from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is it more likely that the righteous guy gets the girl or the wretched guy gets the girl? We're talking about data points here. So uh, build qualities in yourself, self-exploration. Uh, not self-exploration, we've got to be careful. Self, uh, you're getting to l learn who you are uh, and learn what things about you. Uh, talk to a therapist, work on your trauma, talk to the imam, get to... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Allah was Muhammad. Um, anyways, you understand what I'm saying. And then lastly, be righteous and strive to be righteous. And again, that's a process. It's, it's not something that happens immediately. It it's happens in stages. Polygamy. Can it be restricted prior to marriage? There's ikhtilaf with the ulama, to be very honest. But I think it can. The question is, are y'all going to agree to that? Okay, polygamy. The reality is, 75% of men in America, it's haram for you to marry another woman. That's my fatwa. 75% of men in America, it is haram for you to marry another woman. One, you have no money. Do you make $150,000 so you can give each wife $70,000? <laughs> Find your wife that's happy with $70,000 come talk to me. Do you make enough money to take care of your wife? So that's first. Second of all, most of us, if not all of us, have no experience even seeing a healthy marriage, let alone a polygynous situation. One of my friends in Saudiya, his dad had two wives. And they considered the other wife his like their mother. And he had, one had a floor of an apartment, the other had another floor of an apartment. That guy is equipped, he understands, he grew up watching it. How many of us grew up with our parents in the household? So me, just to give me an example, I grew up in a divorced household. I'm struggling to be married to one. How can I go ahead and bring in another? Two, three, so first you have finances, we ain't got our money together. Um, two, culturally and, and emotionally, we're most of the time not prepared to deal with it. Third, what do we say the reason why we're looking to get married to begin with was what? To please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not just because you want to have more sex, let's be honest. That shouldn't be the reason. Fix the problems in your, first of all, ain't none of y'all married, but I'm just putting this in your head now. <laughs> Fix the problems in the situation. Out of all the people, not all, vast majority of people that, I've come, that have come to me or talked to me about polygyny are usually because they have problems in the first marriage or you going to another one. And what ends up happening, it only magnifies the problems in the first. That's not what we're trying to do. Polygyny should be looked at like a business. If I own a business, a family unit, 
and I want to expand my business? Do I just buy any old piece of land and not see, can I zone that land, not see is there profit? No. I'm going to look, is that a good investment? Should I put it in Springfield? Should I put it in Lorton? Should I put it in downtown D.C.? Where's the best place for me to invest this property? Because I want to see, I want the most, best yield on my results. The same thing should go, I have to make sure that me buying this other piece of land or expanding my business won't be the demise of my primary business. It'd be stupid if I go expand and then now my first, my mother business is done. Do we know how to negotiate these different things? So we should be thoughtful in how we even think about it. And I'm saying this now because as young men, everyone's like, polygyny, yeah, polygyny, shut up. Stop. Take that out your mind from now. Focus on being a good husband to one. In 10 years, if your wife is okay with it and you guys can figure it out, that's a different discussion. Let's talk about it then. Fahim? Alhamdulillah, bifadillah ta'ala, mashaAllah, tabarakallah, me and my wife are hitting 12 years this year. I told my wife earlier this year, I know I could marry another woman and you would stay. She said, what? No, I'm not. I said, listen to what I'm telling you. I believe in my heart you could stay. And I'm not marrying another woman because I'm scared of you. I'm doing it because I don't want to. And there's a difference between the two. I'm not doing it out of fear, I'm doing it out of love. There's a big difference in the situation. Me being scared of something, that means as soon as the fear is gone, I jump into it. Me doing it out of principle, that's a different situation. So again, you want to be thoughtful, principle people, and how you do it. Thay, that's enough rant on polygyny. Question. Biggest problem in counseling in marriage is communication and expectations. Poor communication, unmet expectations, unrealistic expectations, hidden expectations, or external expectations. You have expectations, you didn't communicate that to someone else. The expectations you do have, you did communicate, were unrealistic, and it goes both ways. The expectations set from the outside are impacting the inside. Or the expectations that are there, no one knows what they are for each other. Communication, communication, communication. If you guys can communicate, listen, I told my wife, listen, when you, she used to wake up in the morning and stay upstairs, I'd be downstairs on my computer. I said, listen, when you wake up, please come downstairs, give me a hug, then you can go back upstairs. She says, why? I said, I know you're upstairs, but because I need some affection, I need you to come downstairs, give me a hug, and then go back. It makes me feel special. Just like that. She said, what's wrong with you? I said, I don't know, but I need you to do that for me, please. Why did I tell my wife that? Because at first I was mad. She up there for like two hours, man, and she on her phone. She, ain't, she know I'm down here. She doesn't know that I even want her to come downstairs. After I say it, I can't expect that she's going to fix it tomorrow. I got to remind her, hey, babe, please, come on, can you give me a hug, please? And that's not me begging. That's just like communicating expectation. Now, alhamdulillah, no problem. She comes downstairs, how you doing? Good morning, blah, blah, blah. She goes back upstairs, everyone's happy. I had to communicate that expectation. If I didn't communicate that, what is that going to do? It's going to build resentment. It's going to build frustration. Now I'm going to assume she's not giving me a hug because she's mad at me or whatever. She's not even thinking about me. But I think communication is the biggest thing. Another one from the, you have one for the sisters? There's one more for the sisters and one more for the brothers. Okay. Can you ask about someone's past? Is that a reasonable non-negotiable? The question is, why are you asking? If you are someone who has preserved yourself and hasn't gotten into any situations, then 
And that's something that you're unwilling to be in a situation similarly. You guys are adults here. Sister or brother is a virgin. You only want to marry a virgin. Fine. For whatever reason. Shyness, honor, family, whatever your reason may be. Then you have every right to ask someone that. But how you go about it is a different thing. You should not be interrogating who was it, when was it, how many... That's not healthy. That's not necessary. You need to know this, this, and that. Now, again, we're talking about normative situations. If you have trauma and you have trust issues, and you, that's a different situation, uh, we don't have confessionals in Islam. We don't have confessionals in Islam. And so if it's something that someone asks, then that's a different situation. It's okay for that to be one of your non-negotiables. Um, but again, we shouldn't be interrogating. We should get what we need in khalas. Uh, one more from the brothers. Abdullah. Uh, your name is Abdullah. Your name is Ali. Ali Abdullah. Right? Or Abdullah Ali. I know, and I have your name. I just, I'm like, <laughs> it's in my phone too. <laughs> Abdullah Ali, right? Okay, I'm not crazy. Alhamdulillah. Hold <laughs> on. Yes. Yeah. Those are two different questions, and they're good questions. How do you set expectations for yourself or figure out what your non-negotiables are, and then how do you figure out what your parents are, and then the third part is how do you figure out what's good for each of you together? You, have to fig- you, don't, you won't know absolutely what it is, but through shura, talking to people through uh, reflection, you'll say, okay, you know, I, I wanted someone who, so like a stupid one that guys tend to talk about all the time is I need someone who's like fit. It's one of the most annoying things in the world to me. What are you looking for, Akhi? Someone who's fit. It's like, what the heck does fit mean? Is it, I don't want someone who's obese because, you know, there's like this level in the middle <laughs> that, anyways, um, I always forget sisters upstairs. Muhtaram, you know. Um, so figure out what it is. Can you not have a sister who's overweight? That's something that you know for yourself you don't want. Khalas, that's one of your things. And if, but you need to be principled. If it really is a principle of yours, it's a principle of yours. If it's not a principle of yours, it's not. Sisters, are you willing to marry a brother who is working toward his career but has no job right now? He's got some money saved up, he's going to take care of it for the next three months, but inshallah, tawakkal after that. May not be something. Um, so you need to figure out through you know, reflection, questioning, shura, asking other people, uh, people that are, are older than you, people that are married, etc. Um, that's one way. What your parents are, you just have to have frank conversations. Listen, what are you expecting so that I can know? Because then you're going to have to base their, those notes and say, okay, where do those align? You know, do your family only want someone from Mosul? <laughs> it's like, khalas, like there's two people in Virginia. <laughs> then it's going to be difficult. But if you're like, okay, I need someone who speaks Arabic. Okay, we can work with that. Don't go try to marry a Pakistani sister. If, um, unless she speaks Arabic. <laughs> um, so yeah, you're going to figure out what you're looking for. Figure out what they're looking for. Those are two things that can happen it's mutually exclusive, and you can work to figure out where they overlap. Um, but again, it's through a lot of reflection. Um, 
interrogation um, of yourself and like frank conversations with your family that may be a little uncomfortable but uh, are to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, and hopefully to, to make sure everyone's happy, right? Because you're, you're marrying two families together. Uh, you're going to have to interact with each other. And so ideally it, you want it to be a healthy situation. And so like, let's say your mom doesn't speak English. No English. And she's like, listen, I would really like to talk to my daughter-in-law. You know, I've always wanted a daughter-in-law. So can you please marry someone who speaks Arabic? It's a reasonable ask. It's very reasonable. Um, does it make things a little bit more difficult for you? Yes. But if you're doing it to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and rid al-um, you want to please your mother, then khalas, tawakha Allah, and you marry someone who speaks Arabic. You just know for yourself, khalas, the pool is a little bit smaller, alhamdulillah. Pull um, on. For anyone who wants to ask further questions, shoot me an email. Someone's got my number somewhere, text me.